Welcome to The Debris. This is where we talk about what was left behind by Hurricane Katrina and the floods that followed. I'm your host, Eve Tro. We're coming to you from WWNO, New Orleans Public Radio. It's the 10th hurricane season since Katrina hit and the levees broke. There's still a lot of stuff sitting around to deal with. Debris. So we're picking up some of it. The odds of the eye coming directly over the city are what? Over the center of the city, I'd put it at probably 70-30. This time, weather. New Orleans is a weather city. Sultry summer heat, plagues of insects, big storms, dramatic scenes with our low-lying land, the swamp, the river, the sea and sky, have defined life here for the past, oh, 300 years or so. And so our local weathermen and women take on heroic status. Now, your most accurate forecast with Chief Meteorologist Bob Breck. Whether it's regular street flooding from heavy rain. This might have been your street around the city. At least we didn't have the kind of flooding that gets into homes, at least that I'm not aware of, because the pumps were able to keep up. Here's the culprit, this upper swirl. Or termite swarms, or extreme heat advisories, or a Mardi Gras forecast with the witch doctor of the Zulu Mardi Gras crew in full face paint and a purple and gold feathered costume a witch doctor standing in front of the map. Looking at you, man, you look good. Thank you, thank you. So what are you going to do to make sure we don't have rain tomorrow? Well, I'll do a little shake. I'll do a little magic and uh-huh. I'll make things just go how it needs to, you know. Well, I'm looking forward to that because, you know, we could have a sprinkle. No, we're not going to have a sprinkle. That's not going to happen. That's going to go away. Oh, complete with some surprise pyrotechnics. New Orleans weather forecasters are rarely bored. And every June 1st, they kick into hurricane mode. That requires serious knowledge, not just about tropical storm systems, but how those storms interact with the city and the land. Right when it's just south of, uh, let's say, downtown, uh, that's when the worst of the water will be moving into Lake Pontchartrain. Because you've got, you've got waters from the east being pushed into the lake, yep. overflowing maybe. Yep. Now, as it passes over, those winds will be started heading south now yep. and then pushing the water o- into the levees. Yeah, you'll start to see water That's Brad Panovich doing his Katrina forecast for station WWL in August 2005. New Orleans' Nash Roberts was the hurricane man, He worked in local TV for 50 years. Well, when I first started in 1946, when I came back here from the Navy, we didn't have radar then. We didn't have have any satellites. He was known for using hand-drawn maps and a black marker to track storms, even in the age of digital graphics. You really had to know the physics involved in these Uh types of storms, and uh, and you had to be very well-schooled in basic meteorology in order to do your forecasting without all the aids we have today. Well, I, I have, as a result of Camille, living through Camille, it gave me a great deal of respect for weathercasters like you because you truly mm-hmm. saved lives. That's Nash in a local documentary, and the reference is Hurricane Camille, which hit in 1969. Nash died in 2010. The first and only time he evacuated New Orleans for a storm was for Katrina. About 1,400 people died as a direct result of Katrina and the flood that broke the levees. When it comes to getting humans out of a storm's way to save their lives, there's more than just the science of prediction involved. 
One of the most remarkable documents from Katrina is a warning issued by the National Weather Service. It marked a huge stride in weather because of the words. Written by meteorologist Robert Ricks, the chilling, dire tone was unprecedented for this very staid federal agency. And it worked. It got people to evacuate. Here's Nick Sly of Louisiana's Mondo Bizarro Theater Company to read from it. Urgent. Weather message. National Weather Service, New Orleans. 4.13 p.m. Sunday, August 28, 2005. Extremely dangerous Hurricane Katrina continues to approach the Mississippi River Delta. Devastating damage expected. Most of the area will be uninhabitable for weeks, perhaps longer. At least one half of well-constructed homes will have roof and wall failure. All gabled roofs will fail leaving those homes severely damaged or destroyed. The majority of industrial buildings will become non-functional. Partial to complete wall and roof failure is expected. All wood-framed low-rising apartment buildings will be destroyed. Concrete block low-rise apartments will sustain major damage, including some wall and roof failure. High-rise office and apartment buildings will sway dangerously, a few to the point of total collapse. All windows will blow out. Airborne debris will be widespread and may include heavy items such as household appliances and even light vehicles. The blown debris will create additional destruction. Persons, pets, and livestock exposed to the winds will face certain death if struck. The vast majority of native trees will be snapped or uprooted. Only the hardiest will remain standing. Power outages will last for weeks, as most power poles will be down and transformers destroyed. Water shortages will make human suffering incredible by modern standards. That's Nick Sly. His group Mondo Bizarro is touring with a play about coastal land loss and water issues called Cry You One, mondobizarro.org. Now, that dramatic forecast wasn't exactly right. It didn't predict the storm surge, breaking the levees and flooding the city, which is what killed most of the people who lost their lives. But when the National Weather Service reviewed its preparations and response to Katrina, It praised the detail of the Katrina Bulletin, as it's come to be known. It didn't just tell about the storm, but showed what it would do. Ken Graham heads the New Orleans and Baton Rouge office for the National Weather Service today. I talked to him about lessons from the Katrina Bulletin and other evolutions in weather. When you hear that bulletin, what do you think? Yeah, I get goosebumps looking back at it. and That's the most dire statement ever issued by any, any office in, in, in our agency in history. And we go back to 1870, so we don't take it lightly. And if we ever have a threat like that again, we'll use language again. We have a lot of different tools now to get that information out. For a meteorologist and the way that that type of person usually processes information and relays information, what a huge mental leap that must have been 
to write something like that. Yeah, it's interesting. And, and now we, we actually have bulletins like that in our system just in case. So we actually involve social scientists in our products now, in our graphics, our statements. We vet that through town hall meetings and we talk about the language. Um, all that has taken place since since Katrina. So it used to be, I will give you the science, everyone. Here's your forecast. Here's uh, if it's going to rain, the probability of rain. Now it's different. It's completely evolved for myself and and for everybody in our agency to, okay, you you can get that information. How do you communicate how that impacts you? If it's a flood, how much water will be up your pant leg, so to speak? How did you become a weather guy? Were you a kid who was obsessed with thunderstorms and lightning and cool shapes in the clouds, that kind of thing? It's it's funny when you ask meteorologists that question. A lot of them wanted to be a meteorologist since a small child. I was no different. Five or six years old, my mom told me I would go outside every single day and take observations of the weather and write them on my calendar that was on the wall. So all those observations I did as a kid, I didn't realize I wanted to be into weather, and then I realized I could make a career out of this. There's that fascination with weather, and then there's the role of the meteorologist, which is sort of unexpectedly a a public service role. How did you start to understand that as a, a service that you were offering to the public? Actually, it's an interesting story. It was actually an epiphany because I was doing television weather while I was teaching physics and working on my master's. And to be honest with you, I, I was, um, for lack of a better term, I was, you know, I was, I was fairly arrogant. I was, I was teaching physics. I was a grad student. I was on television. I was the, the big person on campus type of thing. And, and it, was a, it was a tornado event while I was on television. We, we broadcast live wall-to-wall, so to speak, where no commercials. We were just giving information about the tornadoes. And one of the reporters said, hey, Ken, you got to take the phone. And I was pushing the person off saying, no, I'm on the air. I want to be doing this. And eventually uh, she said, no, you need to take this. And I said, hey, folks, we'll be right back. We went to commercial. And it was a person that said, you know, I'm watching you on television and I don't know what to do. I'm in a trailer and, uh, you know, I I hear rumbling. I, I see the storms. My whole family's here. What do we do? And I said, where do you live? Looked on the radar and I said, y'all need to get out. You got a tornado less than a mile from your your trailer. You need to get into a ditch. Get, you know, cover your heads, take cover. Didn't think much of it. About a half hour later, uh, the same thing happened. Psst, you need to take this telephone call, and I, I took the call, and it was the same gentleman, and he was, you know, obviously shaken. I could hear it in the voice, and and he says the trailer's gone, and we made it. And that was an epiphany for me. I actually left television. I actually left television. I joined the weather service. And I've been on a crusade ever since to to change things, to make sure the information gets out. Wow. That's an amazing story. <laughs> I didn't expect to tell that story. just kind of went there already. <laughs> That's okay. Yeah. Um, people who work in radio know a little bit about the weather service radio because we hear it in this certain way all the time. And it has a certain sound to it. A winter weather message from the National Weather Service. A vigorous frontal system will bring significant snowfall to the Olympics and Cascades late tonight through Wednesday night. Well, we, you know, it's interesting. Just a little bit of history with the radio. Back in the 90s when I was an intern and attorney forecaster, we manually recorded those messages. So, you know, if, I, if we put out a tornado warning, I would wait for it to be printed out, run to the radio room, use a magnet, electric magnet, to erase the tape plug at the tape and do the recording on the warning, it took literally three or four to five minutes. And as we know with a, a tornado, I mean, we don't have that kind of time. So it's been automated. So now we have a digital voice. It takes literally five seconds 
to put out that get that warning out and get it communicated. So we sacrifice the voice a little bit. It mm. sounds like uh, internally we joke about it, uh, naming the voice Sven, but the good part about it is we'll sacrifice the voice a little bit, but we're going to get you that warning in five seconds, and I think that'll save a life. I'm talking with Ken Graham of the National Weather Service. We're looking, obviously, at the past decade from Katrina till now. You're looking back to the storm of 1915. Yeah, what a a difference. And I actually brought some information because I thought it'd be kind of fun. This wiped out much of New Orleans. It was a significant storm. It was big. But this was written by Isaac Klein. He was in my position at that uh, time in 1915. Hoist Northeast Storm Warning. Louisiana coast, 8.30 a.m. Tropical disturbance will cause increasing northeast winds and probably moderate gales along the Louisiana coast this afternoon and tonight. A lot different language than, than, than you were talking about, right? A lot different language back then. And that that was written down and handed to the police chiefs around New Orleans. What would they do with Interesting. it? Interesting. So just hand it. Has storms coming. A storm is coming. Just and house to house? House to house. Uh, get on the horse. Deliver it to the police chief at NOPD. What a difference. Think about it. No satellites. No radar. There were no tools other than some reports and some hand-drawn analysis. So what a difference as we've gone through time. We didn't even have our first weather satellite until 1960. It's an amazing world. I'm, you, you know, the, the listeners can't see me hold up my phone. I'm actually holding up my phone right now because <laughs> the amount of information that's, that comes over my phone rivals what used to come over my weather service computer. Um, for the first time, we, we will dedicate a meteorologist to sitting doing social media. There's no choice. You'll see us more visible than ever, ever before. So we went from visible to Shven. And I think we're going back to visible again to be able to tie all this together because it's going to be important to do. Ken Graham, head of the National Weather Service office for New Orleans and Baton Rouge. Now, about that voice, Sven, the National Weather Service has actually improved its automated voices over the years. There's a friendlier sounding voice named Craig and a lady voice, Donna. The forecast for Lake Ontario. Gale warning in effect through this evening. And there's a Spanish voice, Javier. El pronóstico del Servicio Nacional de Meteorología para el Paso y Región. They pronounce words better. They can say phrases better. This makes them easier to understand. And that's important the worse the weather gets. Now, here's another way language factors into Katrina. What you call the whole thing. In many circles here, you really can't get away with calling the disaster of 2005 just Katrina or even the storm. That places the blame on nature. Many people here prefer to add or replace that with a different term, the federal flood, a man-made disaster. The levees that were supposed to protect us failed. And that's the real story, say people who correct you on this topic. New Orleans Public Radio got hundreds of comments and emails imploring that we make this distinction and get other media outlets to do the same. One woman we heard from, Barbara McPhee. My name is Barbara McPhee, and I lived through Katrina. I was a public high school principal whose school uh, was rendered unusable by the flood. I think it's very important to call it the flood, perhaps even the federal flood, the fact that the levees caved in, that the, there were breaches uh, all around, indicates that we were not adequately protected. So I think solving any problem, it's important to have the correct name for it. And calling it uh, the storm or Hurricane Katrina really misses the obvious. 
the call it the flood camp, says that blaming nature alone, or even climate change alone, paints New Orleans as some untenable, unviable place for human habitation. But we were promised protection, and are indeed protectable, they say, with the right level of investment and the right systems. Now, government has changed the language game on this situation altogether. They don't even call it flood protection anymore. The Army Corps of Engineers calls the new $14 billion levy system one of the strongest in the world, a means of risk reduction. And that's where we'll put down this piece of Katrina debris, where there are no sure things, where threats from Mother Nature or the faults of man can't be eliminated, only reduced. You can find our podcast every week through the end of August on iTunes or use the podcast app on your smartphone. Just search for WWNO and Katrina the Debris. Our producer is Kate Richardson. Digital director is Jason Saul. Paul Mawson is general manager of WWNO. Katrina the Debris is produced here in New Orleans. If you like it, want to hear more, consider giving to support New Orleans Public Radio. You can do that at WWNO.org. Support also comes from Dirty Coast Press. Learn more about their locally designed and produced products at DirtyCoast.com. I'm your host, Eve Tro, for WWNO, New Orleans Public Radio, and Katrina the Debris. Until next time, be well, be good, be safe, and thanks. Thanks.